In today's episode, Good in Theory's resident theory elf, Sep, comes on to talk about why she still hates Plato, why I love him, where this pod is going in the future, and, of course, to celebrate the holidays with you. Hello, Good In Theory listeners. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year if I don't speak to you till then, and I probably won't. I'm here today to celebrate the holidays, and with me to celebrate is Sep. Um, Just like last year when we talked about trading places. Now, I just want to take a minute to explain who Sep is. As you may know, uh, she does all of the episode art for the podcast, which is fantastic, and I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. But she also does a ton of other stuff around Good in Theory. So I write the things, and I record them. But Sep is the only other person who works with me on each episode, who reads scripts sometimes, who listens to drafts of every episode, who talks through this stuff with me, and in generally just listens to me complain. So for that, Sep, I thank you. And I would like to propose the first toast of this episode uh, to Sep, our resident theory elf and my old friend from Oxford Masters days. Oh, Sep. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Happy New Year. And uh, cheers. Cheers. What you drinking there, Mark? Um, well, I know traditionally we drink whiskey, but I am out of whiskey mostly, and I'm drinking a uh, a mezcal that I I just brought back from Mexico. Right, because you've been gone a while. Yes, yes, I have. So uh, I guess I should explain that. Look. I get that this is supposed to be a bi-weekly podcast, and uh, I've tried to keep to that, and I know I haven't published since Halloween, but the reason is that I was persuaded to take a bit of a holiday, it kind of spiraled, I wound up in Mexico for a couple of weeks, and um, I just got back, that's why I have the mezcal, and uh, yeah, and and it's also being extended a little bit because I also now have... COVID. <laughs> Sorry, that's not funny. That's... Uh, How's this? How's this? I spent I spend, I spend two weeks in Mexico. I didn't have a single corona. Hmm. I'm back in Canada for two days. corona up. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I just, I think it's funny that this is the first time you, you have a holiday in like ages and ages. <laughs> you come back and bam, punishment. I, <laughs> How dare you? I don't. How dare you leave the house, as, Clifton? I don't regard this as punishment. I regard this as an extension. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I will get a lot of pod writing done. I have a lot of projects that are coming up, and uh, 
yeah, sorry for not updating the feed for so long, but we are back. We're back. So, Sep, in the interest of the listeners getting to know more about you, uh, tell them how you ended up doing all this Plato stuff and all this podcast work with me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I I quit academia a long time ago. Unlike you, so I. Uh, this but, isn't academia. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Um, no, I just I didn't I, I I stopped at a certain point, and you kept going, very hardcore, which I'm not. But I miss theory, you know. And this this was an opportunity to you know get my theory fix in some other form than Zizek videos on YouTube, you know, nice. and. <laughs> And also, I like somehow I'd gone through like half a decade of political theory training without reading Plato, and I thought, you know, this this was an opportunity, and I could, I could see what the fuss is about and be all <laughs> enlightened and stuff. So, so did you? Did I? <laughs> did I eventually win you over to Plato? No, sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, you yeah. know what? Let's let's do this because this was the first interview I did was with Paul and. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and the question was like, what was his problem with Plato? So, so Sep, uh, what's your problem with Plato? Well, you know how Paul at in that in that interview at some point he said like, yeah, I read him and read him. At some point, I had like this insight, I got it, but then I forgot again. Yeah, so I thought <laughs> yeah. that would happen to me too, right? I'd like at some point because I love theories so and all kinds of it. So I would I just assumed this is like you know the mothership or whatever, and I would just read Republic and I would like, connect with it at some point and get what it's all about. But maybe I'm just not like an 18 year old boy or something. So. It just, it's too late for me to really understand the appeal of this weirdo from Greece. Look, you know what it did happen? I did get a greater uh, appreciation for Aristotle because he's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and ah. I've always said he's boring. But now I can see why, because someone needed to just write something down that people would understand and like have an argument that was, you know, halfway believable or usable. And it was, it was, you know, he's like that, the, like the boring kid of very interesting parents, that that kind of thing. Like I, so I was like, okay, Plato's at least the interesting parent. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, Plato is very interesting, I guess, because he's just weird and he doesn't, like, present... It's basically the stuff you talked about with uh, Earl from the Shrep podcast, right? Uh, he yeah. he writes in this kind of... Uh, I, I thought alchemical, but it's esoteric. Like, he he writes in a way that is purposefully a little mysterious and stuff. Um, and so... It's hard, like, if you're trying to derive, like, you know, workable arguments from that, you have to look, work a little harder. And, you know, Aristotle doesn't do that. He just writes the stuff down, you know, very dry, very sort of straightforward. And I think it's, I, since he was Plato's student, I think it's a kind of, you know, reaction, a dialectical reaction uh -huh. to, uh -huh. like, Plato's fucking bonkers, cave this, sun that, <laughs> you know, I, I have a weird spindle uh, 
myth that I am going to tell you that no one gets, you know? Fine. Yeah, okay. Look, Plato's not easy to read. There's a lot of wild images. But uh, what kind of art would you have made if we did Aristotle first? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. N- none. Just... Just you know, you know, just uh, just just the title and then some headings, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just the, that JSTOR, you know, the <laughs> JSTOR sort of first page PDF you get when you go to any article. It would just be that, I guess. That's true. He's he's not exciting. I'm just saying, I reading Plato and sort of he's like, yeah, I'm, I, he's I don't like him. I'm just saying he's not Plato, <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize what, 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 what a bonus that was in a philosopher before. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Thank you. Well, the, uh, yeah. thank you for sticking th- with me through through all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe but, you did that. I still can't believe you did that. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. yeah. Tell me, like, I get complimented on this by everyone who like comes on the pod or or sees it. They love your episode, are especially oh. the stuff th- for the Republic. Uh, so. Tell us about that because you didn't really have any graphic design or anything experience before, no. right? You just told me, Cliff, I want to help, but <laughs> I don't want to read anything. <laughs> and I like to play with crayons. Well, yeah, I mean, the crayon thing kind of happened. No, no, yeah, I, I, I did my research on like early modern graphic design kind of movements so I like it. It's not an entirely alien sort of field to me, and I really like like I'm that meme, you know. Graphic design is my passion, frog. Um, but I never actually made anything before. I'm a researcher, okay. I'm not like I I study the artists. I'm not one of them. But this was this is an auditory me- medium, and I figured, who cares? No one's gonna see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna you know make these little episode art things. Um, with all these uh, these sort of very basic Photoshop-like apps uh, that I downloaded on my phone. And it kind of, uh, yeah, it kind of spiraled out of control. I ended up working really hard on the Play-Doh ones, not on the other ones so much. But the Play-Doh ones, we really sat down and thought of concepts. Yeah, well, the Republic, well, it started, right? Yeah. We just had, for apology, we just had a bust of Socrates with sunglasses in different colors. Yeah. And then, I mean... I never even knew there was such a thing as episode art. I thought that we got uh, Marika, what's up, Marika, uh, to do the the pod art, and then and then you were like, why don't we just do a little? Just why don't we just do a little art for each episode? And it started out with that clip art, and then when we got to Republic, you said, hey, why don't why don't we try to do a little more? Why don't <laughs> why don't we talk yeah. concepts? Why don't we make some propaganda posters? Yeah, this is because I hadn't read it, so I thought it was like a good book. I was like, this is the seminal, you know, <laughs> theory text. So I want to do it justice as far as I can. Um, and yeah, it got a little bit out of control, but it, I really, really, really had a lot of fun doing that. Because we, we we came up with some concept, you know, something that you said in the in the episode that sort of encapsulated sort of the idea of it. And then uh, I... I just thought of like, like what kind of art would fit with this. So I wouldn't like make up my own. I don't have my own um, style yet. So I would just sort of, um, you know, I would do like existing styles, like comic books or uh, 
you know, Russian propaganda or <laughs> 90s game, like, you know, select menus or whatever in uh, like, video uh, games. Like 60s retro futurism. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that was so much fun to research. Like that again, I'm a researcher more you can tell. <laughs> I just I I had a crazy amount of fun just sort of, you know, digging into yeah, not like uh sci-fi book covers from the 70s, you know? And what, just What was of, your favorite one? What were your what was your favorite? Um research-wise, I think it was the communist propaganda one, obviously. That was it was really cool to see sort of um, this time period where they sort of gave agency to workers in the art. And um, so it was kind of sci-fi, but it was very different from the sci-fi from the 70s in, in the books, right? So where it was really about like um, a, a sort of faceless people in these uh, great other civilizations and other planets and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, those two I really, really like because I think there was um, some theory core to it that was really interesting also. Like that was my uh, my research uh, antennas went up, you know. Um, yeah, those were my favorites. So I think it's episode five and six that's of Plato, of the of uh -huh. Republic. Um, but I also really liked the one where it was like a baby card where we did the, the oh the yeah fetus. congratulations <laughs> it's an army <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was all Sep's idea and uh, hilarious because we were talking about like the reproductive politics of uh, Callipolis and the Republic and all of like baby making is geared towards making the perfect army so it was you know there was the uh, gender announcement or whatever gender reveal trend so congratulations it's an army was. Sick. Uh, that was uh, episode seven, Socratic Family Values. Yeah. The uh, the communist propaganda one was episode five, Lies, Noble Lies, and Gymnastics. And the other one that we were talking about, the like sci-fi cover from the future, is uh, Republic Six, How to Be a Good Person. Yeah, that was about, uh, the the what did you say? Like, uh, we we made this city in this boy's hole or whatever. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, 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 that was uh, one of my favorite lines by by Zach. So. Yeah, so that inspired also the art. Um, yeah, let's little. let's also toast uh, Zach and Rebecca Amsley. Yes, absolutely, our uh, our our idiot princes of Athens. To Zach and Sad Rebecca. To Zach and Rebecca. Should I call him? <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, let me uh, let me get out the old. I don't think they'll answer because like, who answers their phone right now? What the heck is going? On? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rebecca. Hi, honey. How's it going? Um, good, good. I'm just calling you. I'm on the phone with Sep. We're recording a uh, good in theory celebratory New Year's episode. And uh, we wanted to call and thank you for all your help and for being such a fabulous adamantus. Aw, that's so cute and nice. Yeah, we just toasted to you. Thank you. Thanks. Is, does Zach join the call? No. I, you know, he's, look, I dialed him too. I, I didn't really expect <laughs> either of you to answer. And that you answered with what the hell is going on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bore out my suspicions. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm here for you. 
Okay. Congratulations, honey. Thank you. Can you tell okay. me, did I win you over to Play-Doh? Um, did you like you know, him by the end? A lot. Uh-huh. But did you win me over? I don't know. Like, did you did you feel that like you were a Play-Doh fan by the end? Or you're still like, ah, why does anyone read this guy? Oh, no. Fully just a Cliff fan. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you. Ditto. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't need to keep doing Play-Doh. I guess. <laughs> I, whatever you do, I'm. I'm happy to. I'm happy to show up to it. Okay. Thank you, Rebecca. Do you have uh, any other thoughts to share on the Good in Theory New Year's uh, celebration? Um. Well. Uh. You know, it, you're a bright light in a dark, dark world. <laughs> <laughs> is this a That's quote it. I don't understand? <laughs> Who's the light? Is that a quote from is something? That... No. Is she I talking about? So. Is she talking about the light in the cave and stuff, or is she talking about you? It's just I'm in Winnipeg, so um, I'm sad I can't hear you better. <laughs> but it's it's been a delight. It absolutely has been. Uh, come back soon to Toronto so we can hang out. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Becca. Bye, honey. Bye. That was Rebecca Amsleg, a.k.a. Adamantis. And while we're here, let's shout out her brother Glaucon, a.k.a. Zachary, Marika Boucher for doing the podcast art, um, everyone who helped out on this pod, Paul Sagar, repeat guest and thought experiment guy, and, of course, my cousin Clayton Tapp for the sick theme music and remixes. Because that he had the reason we're here, because we wanted to use the Christmas song. Yeah. So now we've heard from everyone on the pod and what they thought about Play-Doh, but Cliff, what do you think about Play-Doh now? Because you read Republic, I guess a couple of times, before you started adapting it for radio or something, and uh, I'm assuming your views on them have changed, because it was a very different approach. Yeah. Uh, this was by far the toughest time I've ever had with Republic. And I, I read it as an undergrad, grad student. I taught it. Um, but this was tougher because in all those other circumstances, if you're a student, you just have to fool your teacher or your TA and, (laughs) and you only have one essay to write. So you can kind of skip over everything that is not relevant to your question and focus on the stuff that you do kind of understand. And you can even do that as a teacher or or if you're writing um, research on, on Republic. But because I was trying to do the whole thing and adapt the whole thing, I couldn't skip over any of the parts that I didn't understand, right? If I got to these passages that were opaque to me and didn't really make a lot of sense, mm. I'm not saying I got to understand any of them or, or all of them, but I had to sit with them long enough to be able to translate it into normal English that I thought other people would understand. Which means I had to figure out what I thought that it meant. And I guess I realized I had never really done that before with every single passage in Republic. And uh, I'll tell you, it was a slog. It was really difficult because you have these two senses of responsibility. You know, on the one hand, I have an audience that I need to make this listenable for uh but on the other hand there's a whole scholarly community that i know about and i've read a lot of the secondary literature 
So I don't want to get any of my interpretations really wrong. So that made it tough. That made it a real frustrating slog. I have never been so angry at Plato before. <laughs> uh, but but there was a payoff, which is that, as you know, when you sit and you grind and you know, you're reading these long, tough books and it's kind of squinting in the dark, uh, but eventually you get these moments where you see something different, the perspective changes, things open up, and it's kind of this shimmery feeling where you uh, see things in new light. And um, interesting. I mean, it, it's fun. That's what we're that's that's what we're in theory for, right? Uh, so, so yes, the approach was different. Um, it was harder, but I got a lot more of those theoretical payoffs uh, because of it. So do you? Um... Do, do you think you you try to so you try to make it uh, sort of accessible or ha these ideas that you had these insights um the idea was to bring them to like a bigger audience that isn't held at gunpoint right to right to, to yeah. absorb plato or whatever you know it's just voluntary it's supposed to be fun did you feel like the ideas were were actually like I mean that was that was the thought going in, but then where you were working with it, was that actually the case, or was it like was it shimmery and like a theory way that only theory people care about? And I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like because he's such a big philosopher, and everybody's supposed to have read him, and we thought he would be interesting for everyone. Is that the case? You think still? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I that's the reason I made this podcast. Plato is not doing academic philosophy, right? Right. He, he is in the sense that he started a university called the Academy, and he was working there, but there was no community of professional philosophers that he was writing for specifically. He was writing for your regular, highly educated, posh, wealthy Athenian citizen. Uh, and so he's writing on a level that should be interesting to well-educated, interesting, interested people. Uh, and I, I, I think he is. And when he isn't, I think that uh, the big barrier is his writing. And so that was the exercise of the podcast is to try to like bring this book that I think is so interesting into a language that uh, it could be interesting in. So uh, what, one of the examples that I, I think of that comes to mind is the episode we did on The Noble Eye. <clears throat> um. I read this so many times before, and I always thought it was kind of dumb, right? It's it's this story of an education where you completely manipulate all these young guardians, and then when they're ready to become soldiers, when they're grown up, you say, hey, uh, forget your entire brainwashing education. Actually, you were underground the whole time, and you're being built by God, and so you're just waking up for the first time. Now, on the face of it, this is dumb. <laughs> yeah. The kind of Philistine interpretation is you've got these Straussians and neocons out there and they say, oh, the noble lie. That just means people in power just have to lie to the people uh, because they can't handle the truth. But then when I was reading it for this podcast, I didn't want it to be so stupid because like, I didn't want to write a podcast episode that had such a boring, uh, a, a boring conclusion to it. And I'm thinking, what could what could Plato mean? Because Plato, Plato ain't dumb. 
Um, and I started thinking, okay, he's not just saying lie, right? What it is is there's not a choice between the noble lie and just telling people the truth. Because in Republic, you have to have so much education even to have access to the truth. So your real choice, your only choice is between a noble lie in Calipolis, where you're totally manipulated by philosopher kings and it's in this like perfect comprehensive education. It's that noble lie or you have the innoble chaos of lies that we all grow up with. The scraps of stories from here, political propaganda from there, our parents' fairy tales from here, cartoons. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Either way, we're growing up with all this ideology and education that shapes us uh, that isn't identical to the truth. Right. The only difference is whether this is all, there's any order to it or not. Um, so that's like the first thing I thought, wow, okay, this is really interesting because this story about this totally implausible story about an education is actually a story about the real education we all get. Yeah. And, and this is the dumbest part of the noble lie. Um, my original reading is when he tells people, hey, uh, forget your whole past, forget your whole education. That never happened. You were actually asleep. It was a hallucination. This is silly. Nobody will believe that. It's an entirely implausible lie. I always thought it was kind of weird. Didn't get it. I'm sitting with it. I'm thinking with it. And then I'm like, holy shit. Actually, this is also uh, true. This is also just how we act. Because, uh, for example, I know that I've had a lot of influence in education. Nurture is a factor in how I see the world and what's going on, uh, but when I look out at the world, I forget my education. I just see things for how they are. I don't remember all the work and the shaping and the nurture that went into giving me the frameworks through which I see the world. So this idea that people will readily just forget that they've had an education and indoctrination and believe that they're seeing the world for just what it is, uh, is actually true. And that kind of blew my mind a little. Cool. Especially because Plato is doing it in this kind of winky, weird way where he's telling this crazy story that sounds implausible, but it's actually about the real world. And his audience, Glaucon and Adamantus, doesn't really understand, but we can kind of get it as the reader. And, like, this is this is the argument for why Plato over someone like Aristotle, like, uh, like you were saying earlier. I mean, you can tell me that human beings are all influenced by education and nurture and their viewpoints in the world are affected by the background. And I will believe you. But to tell me in the way that Plato does with this spectacular myth of the noble lie and the medals and the complications of the irony in the different audiences, like that is on another level. It's dazzling and... It has a kind of effect for me that just telling me the straightforward argument doesn't. So, I mean, I know <laughs> I know I haven't won you over to Plato or Paul or uh, Rebecca, it turns out, but <laughs> there are people out there who I think appreciate this. I mean, I know I do. So, yeah, write to us. Tell us that you like Plato and uh, that uh, 
Zeppelin Phillips. <laughs> yes. Someone out there must no. I mean, I honestly, I like the episode. I like the um, I like the interpretations. You know, I I think we should have just stuck to our original um, bargain and not read Plato, and then would have been like. <laughs> Oh, these, this is this is interesting. Our bargain wasn't that we don't read Plato; it was that you don't read Plato. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I did. I did read a lot of it. Not, uh-huh. I not the last two books, but um, so I just want to maybe clarify that this, you know, he didn't win me over in text. But if I hadn't had the text, and I would have just listened to your interpretations. I don't know, maybe I would have felt different because I, I did like the episodes, you know. Maybe you would have been bamboozled into reading it. <laughs> and then I would have well, <laughs> concluded that, no, he sucks. Yeah. Yeah, good. Good with good, theory, good Plato propaganda, Cliff. Well done. Thank you. I, Thank you. I just want to, yeah, I, I think because we did, we finished The Republic and we kind of moved on to new things. Um, but I really want to sort of still celebrate the fact that we did this whole, well, you mostly did this whole thing. Because if you would have told me in advance, if I'd read the book, you would have told me, oh, I'm going to adopt adapt it for radio. And, you know, I'm going to do it with dialogue and all. I'd be like, no, 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 don't. The guy's insane. This is unadaptable. Just don't. But uh, I didn't. And, I, and you know, I signed up. And I still can't believe you pulled it off. Because it's really... It's a really kind of weird text. And, and, and I think we did something that hasn't been done before. Where, like, you actually get a sense of, like, the dialogue of it. Instead of just sort of the basic ideas in every book. And I just, you know, I just wanted to sort of celebrate that a little. And, well, thank you, Seb. Yeah. No, I really... Okay, yeah. I, uh, he's being so modest, but it's actually really cool. So, um, toast to... I don't know. To to play, to you? To Plato? To... Um, the Republic is dead, thank God. Long live the Republic. <laughs> okay, well, let's go with that. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so... That was a big accomplishment. We did that. It's done. Yeah. Um, and um, so, Ghost of Christmas Past, I want to look at the future now a little bit. Cliff, why don't you tell me and, and the people what's, uh, what they can expect from Good in Theory going forward. Not more Play-Doh. Maybe. Right. <laughs> um, look, I, I'm not saying I'm never going to do more Play-Doh, but I'm sure as hell not going to th- go through all the dialogues. This this was never supposed to be a Plato podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, like originally it was just going to be me and Jeff Perkison, who is a guest on the show, going through the canon, the poli sci 101 syllabus of political theory, Plato, Aristotle, Hobbes, Rousseau, blah, 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 uh, in more detail than anyone else had, but still like at a relatively brisk pace. Settle in, spend a couple of months on Republic. But I've been doing this now for years. Mm. I mean, I worked on it for years before I even launched the pod, and we just finished Republic this summer. So that plan to, to just go through the syllabus, that we're not going through with that plan. Um, I'll never finish. Uh, so there's going to be a little more variety going forward. 
I still want to do some of the big books. I want to do Hobbes' Leviathan, that should unlock Rousseau, and I want to do the second discourse and some of his other books. He's really fun and completely insane. Uh, so I want to do some of that, but that's not all. So I'm going to mix in some more interviews, some more uh, episodes on single articles or essays like we did on Fukuyama or on Susan Wolf. Yeah, um, I really like, like that formula. That's cool. The what the single article one? Yeah, yeah. Because they're not as famous as the big books, but uh -huh. uh, they're they're still a big deal in in any political theory class. I think not not all of them, yeah, but, but a lot of but, them. And I haven't read all of them, so I got a lot out of those. And I think uh, I think it fits. You know, it's kind of like oh, tell us what the fuss is about. Yeah, also, I mean, I, who cares about a class? But a lot of them are interesting. Like, I find Fukuyama's essay interesting in its own right. Yeah. It's I don't ex I'm not trying to help people do their homework on that one. It's, <laughs> it's to try to understand what the hell is going on, you know? Yeah, it's more like people hear the idea of the end of history, and I can just imagine going, what? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And then we explain I mean, what. That was possibly the best title in political theory because it got him so much attention, right? <laughs> Just the yeah. end of history. And it was, what do you, what do you mean? Boy, famous anyway, now. You okay. think time is going to stop? Look at this crazy person. Um, anyway, so those, uh, I'll, so I'll still do some canonical books. I want to do some interviews. I'm going to do some single articles, but also more episodes just on concepts and questions. So... Something I've been working on a lot and I've written on before and I'm excited about this coming year is a short series on the idea of meritocracy because it's sort of an ideal that a lot of us grew up with, but it's shifting, it's under attack right now. So I want to do a couple of episodes about why I think it's dumb and uh, maybe believing <laughs> it might make you a worse person. Um, nice. So just like to explain why a lot of people are mad at meritocracy now. That'll take a couple of episodes, but it's not specifically text-based it's more conceptual so i i would say going forward you can expect all those kinds of things and uh also we take requests so yes. <laughs> um if there's any text or concept or whatever that you're interested in let us know reach out on social or email and uh yeah if there's ideas we'll that you hear about i don't know social media or in the news just something that's in the air, you know, you don't really understand why everyone is repeating this word or concept or, or thing. And uh, it doesn't have to be specifically theory or, or politics related. If, uh, if it's been thrown around in the zeitgeist, say, then uh, it's, there's probably theory about it. Right. Like, and I we mean, will bring it to you. If you ask. I'm, I'm a political theorist by training, but we also did the episode on, you know, why I was bad at falling in love when I was 20, <laughs> based on Proust and Rousseau. So theory is a big tent, and it's intentionally so. We'd love to, you know, check out some some different areas of, areas of thought. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know if you've been wondering about anything. And uh, Yeah, everything you wanted to know about theory, but we're afraid to ask. Or ask. just don't know who to ask. Yeah, ask us. Ask us. Ask. Yes. Um, what about what about you, Seth? Um, why don't you why don't you model for everyone how to make a request on Good in Theory and tell us what you uh, one one topic you might like to see in this coming year? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And you'll be doing the art for it, so keep that. One. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things where there's actually a lot of art for it's it's become a bit of a meme is uh, this theorist um, called Mark Fisher, who yeah yeah he's been uh, yeah. making making the rounds in meme form last couple of years and uh, he's just covering half of my. Instagram feed, and that's, I mean, that's a niche. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a selection bias, you know. (laughs) Kim K. uh, Yeah, for theory, for for a certain type of theorist, like, you know, like artsy Marxist uh, kind of uh, theorist. He's a household name, but it's, um, but I feel like he is maybe speaking to people uh at this particular point in time uh maybe just beyond that kind of marxist cultural critique you know maybe really uh appealing to them in a more more sort of uh, immediate way so it's not just for theory nerds anymore hopefully so uh i thought maybe we could uh, do a couple of episodes on them bring them let people know what what their fuss is about i like i love i love reading mark Fisher. You know, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's fun to read, especially if you're a theory person. There's just tons of ideas flying everywhere. Uh, I think he'll be hard to nail down, you know, thesis-wise, but definitely I would like to bring some of that to um, good in theory. So I will, uh, let's, put it, let's put it on the, on the calendar. Great. We'll put it sometime, sometime in the next year. That's, that's how I keep the calendar. Yeah, so people, that's how easy it is. <laughs> right, so reach out. Um, make a suggestion, and um, and Cliff will read the books. I so will ma- if if I want to read the books, I'll read the books. I'll make episodes. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not promising to do every request, but I will read all your emails and uh, probably reply to them. So, yeah, do it. And uh, and I guess I guess is that is that it, Sep? Do we have anything else to? Uh, I cover today? think uh, we've covered all of the. Christmases, Christmas ghosts. We're 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 good for this year. So uh, this year is done. We just wanna we just wanted to check in with you, say hello and uh, happy holidays, and uh, just thank you for listening. And a special thanks to our uh, Patreons. Yes, everyone, uh, everyone who listened, thank you. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, but yeah, thank you especially to people who supported on Patreon. You really help us keep it going. Um, we appreciate your support. And I would like to shout out two new patrons that we have. Woo-hoo. Even though I haven't been publishing episodes for two months, Aww. two people decided to pitch in. Robert Powell and uh, Patreon user Centeri. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation, but... Thank you both. We appreciate it. And we are excited about the stuff we're going to be doing in the new year. Yeah. See you in the new year. See ya. Bye.